I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Sourcing Journal Radio, our weekly check-in with apparel insiders and thought leaders, which spotlights a variety of topics currently driving change in the market. This podcast series is made possible by Cotton Incorporated, a not-for-profit company funded by U.S. cotton producers and importers whose mission is to increase the demand and profitability of cotton. Discover what cotton can do. I am Edward Hertzman, founder and president of Sourcing Journal. Today, we're discussing the cotton market to gain some perspective on how agriculture, foreign relations, advances in sustainability, and a slew of other variables are affecting pricing and output. We're joined by John Devine, Senior Economist for Cotton Incorporated. John, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. So, John, let's start with a slightly bigger picture look at uh, today's cotton prices. Over the last three years or so, how would you characterize some of the changes in the cotton pricing market? What have been the biggest causes behind these uh, changes in pricing patterns? Yes, right. I think it's always important to begin with the big picture of where we are in a cotton market. Can't really understand where we are if you don't understand where we've been. When you take a look at a cotton market over time, um, you can see it tends to move in periods of two, three years in terms of the dominant supply demand factors and help shape price direction and where we've been, I think really influences where we are right now in terms of uh, the influence that the Chinese cotton policies have had on the cotton market since the price spike. So immediately after the price spike, the Chinese government went in, tried to encourage its cotton growers to plant more cotton. And it did that by offering high guaranteed prices. So for a period of about three years there, we had the Chinese government buying up 85, 90% of the domestic harvest. This resulted in the Chinese government accumulating massive stocks. And what we've seen over the past three years has been an unwinding of those policies. So we've seen the Chinese government working on getting its stocks down. And what's been characterizing the global market over the past few years has been low Chinese import demand. Take a look at where we are right now. We are in a transition point. I think we're moving into a new two, three-year block. And this new two, three-year block uh, should be dominated by the rise of China and the return of China in terms of being a major cotton importer. So I think that's the most important factor that's going to be shaping the cotton price direction for the next couple of years. John, looking ahead, midterm and long term, do you foresee much volatility in cotton prices? Yeah, so we are just since we are in this transition period, moving from you know period dominated by sales from Chinese reserves and low Chinese import demand to this new one characterized by rising Chinese import demand. I think this transition alone is going to be causing some volatility. Um, on top of that, we have some uncertainty. We don't know exactly how fast or exactly when uh, China is going to start increasing its imports. So there are a couple of key questions that have to be answered. And as we start getting those answers, I think we will see some volatility. Um, but something that's important to keep in mind, at least over the short term, is that the world outside of China is sitting on a record volume of warehouse supplies. So these warehouse supplies could help serve as a buffer against the rising tide of Chinese import demand, at least in the short run. 
as we get moving to the longer, longer term time frame, we need to pay attention in terms of how much acreage response we're going to get, how much additional cotton can be planted outside of China to help meet this rise in demand. So recently we saw cotton uh, cross a dollar for the first time in a while. Um, are you concerned about cotton prices continuing to rise? Yeah, so we did see A-index across the dollar mark for the first time that we've seen in about six or seven years. Um, there is some concern about increases in cotton prices. I think it's a little bit further out on the road. Um, we take a look at you know, these stocks that we've got outside China. They could help, once again, be that buffer against Chinese demand relative to prices. Um, but we have to see how the situation plays out, how fast China's going to start importing, and exactly when they're going to start importing. Is, is China going to give the rest of the world a chance to respond in terms of planting more cotton in order to keep up um, with that rising demand. So, John, in addition to to China's reserves, obviously weather plays a big big factor in the pricing of, of cotton moving forward. W- where are we right now with with the current weather patterns? Any predictions in terms of uh, of, of droughts that we need to worry about? Um, uh, um, excess, uh, you know, um, acreage being planted. What's what's your predictions or outlook there? Yeah, so there are a few major sources of concern when you take a look at weather situation right now. Um, one of them had been from China. So in China, uh, you see the majority of their cotton being grown out in the western part of the country. They had kind of a rough spring. Most people are thinking they're going to be able to recover in terms of having some decent yields out there. But that is a question that's lingering over the market, at least with respect to Chinese weather. Um, here at home in the U.S., we've got a lot of questions related to our weather. Um, our main growing region out in West Texas is nearly all dry land, meaning there's very little irrigated cotton out there. And unfortunately, that region has been suffering from some significant drought this year. Uh, we've already seen the USDA drop their production forecast last month. There's some potential they could continue to decrease their production forecast. And this is all relevant to the global cotton market because the U.S. is the world's largest cotton shipper. If we're growing less, it means we have less to sell. So that could be a potential factor to watch regarding price movement. And then finally, just to touch on India, they are the world's largest cotton growing country. Um, India gets their monsoon from June to September. Um, we have seen some rain starting to hit India, but the extent to which they get the rainfall that they need or not is something we need to keep an eye on as well. So depending on what, what China does, um, if some of these weather forecasts come true, we could be looking at uh, increased uh, pricing uh, as it pertains to cotton moving forward. Is that, a, is that an accurate statement? That's right. So we've got rising uh, Chinese import demand. You know, we don't know exactly how strong it's going to be this year compared to the next two or three years, but it is coming. And then you take a look at the U.S. situation, at least this year, it's not looking really good. So uh, rising import demand, some questions about export supply could all feed into possible uh, volatility. So so farmers who produce cotton you know, have to make a, a living. So part of their decision as to how much cotton they, they plan each season is based on how profitable it may be for them. With that in mind, where does cotton stand today uh, compared to some other crops? And do you see some farmers shifting away from cotton or with this with this demand, you're seeing more uh, farmers looking to plant uh, cotton uh, for upcoming seasons. Yeah, so you take a look at a lot of the world's cotton farmers. They typically have choices of planting other crops, and most commonly, it's probably corn or soybeans. And something that's been helping uh, global cotton production over the past couple of years is that corn and soybean prices have been low. We've been having record stocks for both of those crops, helping keeping their prices low and helping cotton acreage increase, even though cotton prices haven't been extremely strong over the past couple of years. Um, we take a look at the situation, particularly for soybeans right now. Um, they're expected to have another increase in stocks this year. Corn's expected to have a slight decrease. So potentially down the road, we could see cotton face a little bit of competition from corn. But I think something that's important to keep in mind with all this, too, is cotton prices can move as well. 
And with Chinese import demand rising, I think we could expect some increases in cotton prices, which should help keep uh, cotton acreage and cotton production uh, up. So another uh, popular topic <laughs> that everyone likes to talk about uh, in our industry right now is Trump. Uh, and, and certainly another big source of uncertainty for everyone across the board lately has been the trade war or between the U.S. And it seems a host of friends and foes. You recently um, spoke with Sourcing Journal uh, about this. But for anyone who missed that article that you wrote, um, can you tell us how the uncertainty, the current tariffs, the potential for more tariffs have affected cotton pricing and availability? Yeah, so right now it still looks like there's a lot of wait and see out there relative to tariffs. Um, the Chinese government, as part of the back and forth on tariffs, did hit U.S. cotton with an increase of 25 percentage points on July 6th. Um, but there are a few back doors that exist in terms of possibilities for U.S. cotton still making its way into China. China does have free trade zones, which wouldn't be hit by the tariff increases. And China also has a category of cotton imports known as processing trade. Uh, processing trade is fiber that comes into China that's destined for eventual export in apparel or finished uh, textile form. And those uh, category, that category of import quota is also not subjected to uh, the increase in tariffs, or at least not according to current Chinese policy. Everything has a chance to change, but there is some potential, once again, for U.S. to come in through the back door. To the degree at which this may affect U.S. sales or not also remains something to be seen. Um, take a look at U.S. export sales to China. We haven't seen a lot of cancellations yet. This compares favorably for cotton relative to other commodities like soybeans, which have seen more cancellations. So essentially what we've seen so far, you know, a few back doors possibly out there and a still a lot of wait and see in terms of how this all may play out. So for other countries that uh, produce uh, cotton, do you think this would be a um, uh, reason for them to increase their their, their production? Right. So that's a good point, too. So when you take a look at the global export market, um, it's really a fixed pool. When you take a look at the, the size of the major cotton exporters, the uh, U.S. is top of the list and top of the list by a wide margin. So, for example, in the current crop year, U.S. is expected to export about 16 million bales. That's about four times as much as the next largest exporter, which could be either Brazil, uh, India or Australia. They are sort of the same level, but no one really can compete with the U.S. on the, on the volume wise. So for that reason, if we do see. Uh, shipments to China being diverted from the U.S. to other growths like a Brazil or an Australia, we probably expect U.S. to pick up the slack in markets where Australia or Brazil would have uh, shipped to otherwise, simply because that pool of exportable cotton is somewhat finite. And uh, given the increase in overall demand being driven by China, if there are holes that open up in other places, U.S. probably will have move in to fill it. Is there a capacity and a demand um, for for um, countries like India, you know, Pakistan, Brazil, and you know, et cetera, et cetera, to uh, increase their output. There is, um, but of course, you know, when we take a look at uh, the cotton market. We only get one planting season per year, um, so it may take a little while for cotton production to catch up to rising uh, demand. But the good thing, once again, is we still have these buffer stocks. So we've got record warehouse supplies, at least according to USDA estimates, for the collective world outside China, and those record stocks could help meet rising Chinese import demand uh, in the short term until acreage can catch up. So I want to pivot a little bit. You know, a, a big topic um, in the supply chain is sustainability. And obviously, it starts uh, with the fiber. Um, can you give us an update on advances specifically um, in, in cotton sustainability and efficiency? You know, what are producers doing today uh, as in regards to testing, 
um, or production uh, that, that may be different from even just a few seasons ago. Sure. Yeah. So we'll maybe start by talking about Cotton Incorporated and Cotton Incorporated as a company. We exist in large part to do research and promotion uh, for the cotton industry. And about everything that Cotton Incorporated does, does right now is somehow related to sustainability. We recently hired a chief sustainability officer and we set a series of sustainability goals that we want to meet by 2025. Um, we do conduct a lot of research uh, in-house, but part of Cotton Incorporated's function is also to direct and fund research with external organizations like universities. In an average year, Cotton Incorporated sponsors about 400 different pro uh, projects looking at how we can improve practices throughout the entire cotton supply chain. And almost all of these are now touching on uh, sustainable practices. Um, it all starts in the field. Uh, we have an agricultural department and current efforts there are centered on the introduction of field robotics, which could revolutionize how cotton is cared for and harvested allowing for ever more precise applications to care for plants. Um, this extends into advances that have already been made with GPS and drone technology and uh, should go very far in helping growers achieve the recently announced sustainability goals over the next 10 years. Um, further downstream, a recent advance has been patent pending uh, formaldehyde-free durable press finish that we're calling uh, Pure Press. And then this extends all the way to the very end of the supply chain as well. You can take a look at research post-consumer we're taking a look at degradation of microfibers in aquatic environments, what that means uh, for the global uh, ecosystem. So what, what advice would you give to people that are, are looking to um, validate and confirm that the cotton they are purchasing is, is, is being grown um, in a sustainable way? You know, how, do you, how, do you, how do you confirm and validate that it's perhaps organic? You know, what's, what's the process one can take? Yeah, so traceability is a big concern, and it's something that the industry as a whole is working on uh, right now. Um, as you know, a lot of supply chain is non-vertical, meaning that it does change hands in terms of moving across uh, different company uh, lines, if not country country boundaries. Um, so, so it is a key issue we got to keep track track with. Uh, blockchain technology could be something coming on that could that could help us uh, down the road, uh, but right now that is a major uh, question. Um, I think something that we can look at is just the example of U.S. cotton. Um, when U.S. cotton, every single bale is uh, is classed by the USDA. It has a, a tag that that can follow it, and that traceability, at least through the mill stage, the spinning stage, is something uh, that could be carried forward. Um, so, something that industry is working on. But there are some potential possibilities there. So, John, I want to just kind of end this with a question that I'm sure all our um, listeners are, are are pondering now is is Ultimately, when it, you know what what does this all mean for price, right? You know, obviously, you know, fabric is such a large component uh, of of an FOB uh, price today. So, um, what's your prediction? I know no one has a crystal ball, but looking to the second half of 2018, first quarter of 2019, roughly, what are you expecting? Are we going to continue to see cotton prices increase? Yeah, so we're in a period of stability right now, and I think that stability has been brought about in part by large volume of stocks that were estimated to have for the collective world outside China. As we move further out into the fall and into the winter months, I think something we're going to, need to pay increasingly attention to is the weather issue and how fast Chinese imports might rise. So sometime, usually in the fall, we get some announcements from the Chinese government regarding where imports may go. That's something that certainly has potential to move the market. And as we get deeper into harvesting, we'll also get a better idea in terms of where yields might be. Um, if you take a look at direction in terms of you know weather's effects right now, 
Um, there's a saying in a cotton market that smaller crops tend to get smaller. So I think given that tradition in the cotton market, there may be some reason to think that production may be lower than it's currently being forecast. And also, I think Chinese imports, you take a look at the volatility we had late in the spring. I think that's a signal that China's probably going to start increasing shipments sooner rather than later. So my expectations are that at some point we will start seeing prices to increase. The way that we see weather variables play out and the way that we see Chinese uh, import announcements start to come or not um, should influence uh, when or when exactly that might occur. John, uh, I want to thank you again for uh, being with us today, and hopefully you could join us again in the fall. Um, you'll have some more visibility as to you know how the, the crops are shaping up and what that means for pricing uh, moving into 2019. So uh, thank you again. And to all the listeners, uh, thank you for your time. Thanks for listening. To hear more insightful conversations like this, be sure to subscribe to Sourcing Journal Radio on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and tune in. Also get your ticket now to the Sourcing Journal Summit in New York on October 11th. We'll be bringing together a slate of provocative thought leaders to discuss the challenges that face the industry as we move forward towards Sourcing 5.0. Hear from Rick Darling, Executive Director of Lee and Fung's LF Americas, Steve Lamar, Executive Vice President of the American Apparel and Footwear Association, Karen Moon, CEO and co-founder of Trendalytics, Isaac Korn, Director of Innovation and Automation for Perry Ellis, and many more as we discuss the impact of the trade war, the ongoing retail recovery, and how technology is transforming retail. Visit our site, sourcingjournal.com, for more details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.